Hey guys, Rusty Surfer here with Four Guys on a Comic, and we are here with another episode this week. And with me, I have the man named Nova. Hello. I have Tap. Hello. And then, as always, we have the Red Skull, who occasionally disappears for Hydra business. Greetings and salutations to one and all. Yes. So, guys, how are y'all doing? It's another week, another day in paradise. Another fun week yep. of comics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem super enthusiastic. No, my, my week's been shit, so I'm just playing along. All right. Well, let's see if we can uh, cheer tap up a little bit tonight. How about that, guys? This is going to be a rough yeah, week or so. It's just, you know, you guys know what happened. It's just going to yeah. be a rough week. Yeah. 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 So, um, starting off this week, we are going to talk about a little something that Red Skull's been posting many, many things about. And we're going to be uh, talking about Secret Empire because a lot has been going on with uh, that in Marvel right now. And uh, we're going to give Red a total of five minutes on the subject today, guys. So, Red, I think we already explained this to you a little bit beforehand, but you're going to have one minute to give us a summary over everything you can remember in Secret Empire that matters, okay? Okay. And we Tell tell me when to go. (laughs) We want some talking points here. I know a lot's been going on, and there's like 12 issues, I think Mm -hmm. you said, so... We will see, but let me grab my timer to start here. You will have one minute. Are you ready? Hold on, deep breath. Okay. All right, go. All right, guys, secret number. Captain America turns into Hydra. He takes over uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, he gets rid of Maria Hill because she wants to create a planetary uh, defense shield, which the government wasn't too happy about. He also takes over AIM. During that process, he kills uh, Robert DaCosta. He takes over the U.S. government because the president goes into hiding during everything. Well, not into hiding, into, uh, to, into hiding. <laughs> and basically turns over the country to Captain America to keep it safe. He also takes over... Uh, 30 Hydra, seconds. And he's leading everything, and he's basically put all of the heroes into a void or trapped them out into outer space and Hydra is now a better safer country and everybody in the world it seems to be happy Hydra is a better safer country you yes. still got 10 seconds oh I thought you said okay, 10 seconds else. and during all of this like I say everybody loves everything that's going on because right now in the past when Avengers used to uh, stop somebody they would capture them when those people that get captured usually escape instead of capturing people they just kill them off so that way they don't have to worry about problems in the future it's over it's over. Time is up, my man. It's hard to really cover everything in a minute, but I gave the a lowdown of some stuff. Well, I think that we got the gist of things, and I think we all of us already kind of had like a little bit of a basic knowledge behind yes. it. Yes. Uh, maybe not Tap because Tap is anti Marvel man. I'm not, that should I'm be not anti Marvel. Pro like good stories, bo- I think. I, yeah, I like their boutique. <laughs> pro good story. I like man. their boutique books. I don't like the uh, their main titles. So let's start this off then with this. Red is going to have 30 seconds, okay, to answer the question that you have. Do you have one for him, Tom? Yeah, how is Hydra a happy country? Okay, you have 30 um, seconds. They have uh, Actually, the stock market is in its second month of its highest record ever in the country's history. They've reduced all crime by 75%. They've opened up new manufacturing facilities and created... Um, over 2,000 new jobs basically per state, as I understand it, with all of the manufacturing facilities. They've also basically uh, stopped 
all problems and corruption and everything because there's no government and government officials. It's just Hydra. Thirty uh, seconds. Are, so Hydra. So okay, Hydra is making America great again. Okay. Yes. Uh, oh man. All right. So Nova, do you have your next question for him? Um. Sure. So I guess issue two is the one I didn't read. Um. And I, I think you may have mentioned this once in one of our chats, but my question is, uh, what was the, like, how many panels was the longest fight in Secret Empire number two? Oh, good clap. Longest panels. Uh, I really couldn't say there was, to me, there wasn't that much. A page, fighting. at least? I mean, was there a single page? With oh, yeah, there was a. Yeah, there was some fighting. Uh, I guess the most important fight that would have happened would be in, towards the end of it. There was a little girl. There was a girl, I should say, running away. There was some people after her to fight her, take her down. As uh, she's on the ground being beaten by these creatures or whatever. We're oh, not quite sure what they are. Time yet. up. Um, oh, I can't. No, I'm sorry, but some a Captain America <laughs> I'm not in a World War II uniform goes to save her. This is killing Red Skull See, right you now. You needed to give me at least a 15-second warning nope, there. Nope, you don't get anything. All right. <laughs> All right. So I guess this is my question next. Um, okay, so Red, is this only the United States that is having problems right now, or is it all of North America? Well, actually, they've only gone through the United States as of right now, but they have just recently did some uh, trade agreements um, through the Pacific with uh, some of the other nations and other nations are slowly starting to get on board right now they have uh, the united states quarantined off so nobody can come in or out basically they put a wall around the country mm-hmm. um. <laughs> and this is That's why i hate cool. marvel <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right so you answered that before the 30 second mark was up good for you all right, so I think we only got one question left that we can oh, do. Oh, I got, I, I, I got a good minutes. one. And this okay. is this is a legit Let's this is a legit it. question. What is the deal with this Captain America where he says, "I'm Steve Rogers and I'm just trying to get home"? What is that all about? Okay, well, there's actually uh, two basically different um, ideas on this. The one that I support is the fact that when uh, the Cosmic Cube basically kind of rearranged his brain to make him. Th- Think that his whole life has been about Hydra, it basically took away his heroism portion to him. We're thinking that possibly that portion that she took away is still in the recesses of his mind. And a lot of those panels in the different comics that you see, his head is down, he's thinking, he's um, Two a lot seconds. of decision on what he wants to do. So we think that this is another... So sort of like Superior Spider-Man with Doc Ock and Pete. Kind of like that. Yeah, yes. I guess. Yes. All right. So now I'm going to give... Okay. Because I want to do this fairly, since Tap got a chance to ask too. Nova, do you have a second question? I'll give it to you if you want. Eh. <laughs> no, I, I can't. I can't think of. I can't think of any questions. Um, honestly, I just. I tried. It's too much. Far too much uh, talking in there. Not enough fun. Okay. <laughs> well, I will get my. <laughs> I will get my one question and then we'll end our five minutes with uh, Secret Empire, even though I think it's gone over a little bit of five minutes now. Um, Red Skull, what is your favorite moment that's happened in Secret Empire so far? Favorite moment would probably be when... 
I actually, I thought it was pretty cool. In Denver, a creature came out of a cave wanting to eat everybody. Captain America gave this nice, fine, elegant speech about how he needs to crawl back in his hole, and they don't. The Avengers don't do those kinds of things anymore. They don't want to capture and people because it, or creatures because they're just going to end up escaping. And instead, he ordered the Avengers to kill it. And the Avengers were actually happy to do it. They killed it. And there was actually no casualties, which the public liked, and minimal property damage. I've always never liked that because in comic books, well, why didn't you just kill the bad guy? Well, that's what they did this time. They actually killed the bad guy. Huh. That's what that doesn't sound very heroic. Guy. Yeah. Was no. it a... That's why. That's what we're saying. All the heroic stuff in Captain America has been taken away, and why we think it might be a split. I don't even mean Captain America. I'm talking about America. with the Avengers. I don't. I. I'm sorry. I don't buy into the, the fact that the Avengers are like, okay, let's kill it. Like, I disagree. <laughs> that that would never happen. Well, they're following yeah, basically every whim of Steve Rogers because, well, as but we like, know, he's he's worthy because he. Yeah, who are the Avengers now? It's not, it's not even the traditional Avengers anymore. It's a like completely oh, it's like bizarre character. Deadpool, yeah, like Deadpool and like Jane, the Vision's Jane daughter. It's just these weird Vision's characters. Daughter. Hercules, I think, is in there. Yeah, maybe yeah, Hercules and Deadpool would kill, but Vision's daughter wouldn't, and neither would uh, who's the other one you said. Well, I don't know if they're actually on Jane the team. Jane Foster but... Thor. Yeah, she, yeah. she wouldn't. Yeah. 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 It's, she, yeah. it's, it's odd. I mean, so, they, they get to make up whatever uh-huh. they want, so. I call shenanigans. <clears throat> so we shall see what happens. Mm-hmm. We all know what happens with Marvel events, so I'm, I'm over still preparing for a big letdown. Yep. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But... But you know, you've y'all you asked me one um, questions. I have actually just one question about Secret Empire that I need to throw out there to you, what? Rusty. Okay, so they're talking about with Galactus, and they're trying to get Galactus to help to fight Hydra. I'm still kind of confused what happened to him, how he's basically trying to rest up and get energy again, and he, all that kind of stuff. He was orange, I don't know right? That. He is the harbinger yes. of life. He has given up his ways mm-hmm. of destroying planets and using them for his life force because of the help of, um, I think it was the Ultimates, and then I think it had something a little bit to do with Secret uh, secret Wars. But um, yeah, he's the harbinger of life. He's looking to uh, bring life to the universe now because there's a lack of it. He is a good guy what? now. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. One of the most ultimate yeah. bad guys in Marvel history. Oh dear God. Okay. Yep, and he's orange. He's not purple anymore. He's orange, Great. and he glows. So he's like an orange. Why lantern. did he turn orange? Why did he turn orange though? Almost, and uh, uh, Captain uh, Marvel talks when to she him. She made him orange all oh. the time. No, she didn't make him orange. He. I, whenever he swapped over from the devourer of planets to Larflees the of harbinger, <laughs> harbinger of life, Pla- he is it's trying to plastic bring out surgery the, on a galactic scale. Uh, yep, yep. But what I mean, do? that's the thing. Uh, okay, I want to ask you all this. Maybe the rusty um, surf will, will happen. Maybe there's going to be an orange one. <laughs> You'll be in right. continuity. Mike Allred's gonna give me a chance, yeah. right? <laughs> Everyone will well, want your. Did you your guys name. hear that? There's that uh, Silver Surfer. Uh, I don't know. This is a couple weeks ago, so it might be official or might not be. But uh, Silver Surfer is on the bubble of being canceled. Mm-hmm. Yep, I saw that because it's under yeah. the 
once again, boutique books that I like. (laughs) Good storytelling. They're going to cancel it. Mass crap. We're going to print a ton of it. Sometimes you got to wonder. Their movies backing by Disney. Yeah, and (laughs) they're putting out like 100 books a month as well. Uh, I mean... Yeah, over 100. I think the last count was like 120-something. 27, I think it was. Well, I think y'all caught on to my uh, theme for this pod. (laughs) It's going to be Marvel. Uh, Sorry, guys. (laughs) But no, it's going to be Marvel just because of something that we're going to get to voted on by the fans. Rusty, that's why it's Marvel. (laughs) No, it's not just that. I, you know what? Honestly, (laughs) I when I was thinking about this, when I told y'all I was planning out this pod, I had a few different ideas. But then everything just seemed to focus on Marvel because of what was going on and what needed to be talked about. And now I'm stuck talking about Marvel. And uh, it's, I don't know, y'all are thrilled, I'm, I'm sure. Actually, this tonight's subject's not a bad one. Yay. I actually more or less <laughs> yeah. enjoy tonight's no. subject, so uh, I'm not very well versed in it, but yeah. Let's dive into it. Yeah, well, we'll get to it. Um, if you keep listening, guys... You'll figure out what the fan-voted subject was today. Okay, so but that's going to come a little bit later on. Um, next up, I want to ask this of all of you because we're going to get to lo- know y'all a little bit better. Okay, um, I want y'all to take y'all's turns, but I want you to name a Marvel comic that you really used to enjoy reading that you think the character has basically gone down the drain <laughs> since the time you did enjoy the character, okay? Spider-Man. Oh, no that was so fast. Way. Oh my gosh. Spider-Man's actually really Okay, good. I'm going to I'm going to let Red Skull explain Spider-Man real fast and then we can have Taps rebuttal on why he's good. Okay, you know, I guess I read it as a kid, you know, that the reading some of those late 70s early 80s Spider-Man issues and the further it got along, it just seemed I don't know, I just I lost interest in it. Uh, the, it I'd, my interest didn't come back until, what was it, Superior Spider-Man came back, came out. I really, really enjoyed that. It put my interest back into Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then with the reboot with Miles, I, I had trouble getting into it again. I, I read that first issue, and after that, it's just like, no, it's just not for me anymore. Um, a lot of it may also simply be just because it was my childhood, honestly. But. Well. I gotta okay. ask then. You mentioned Miles, but have you tried just regular Amazing Spider-Man with Peter? Yeah, you're reading the wrong Spider-Man. That's no, is why. That, is that the problem? <laughs> yep. Uh. So, Tap, uh, why don't you just tell us real fast, uh, real quick, uh, why we should read new Spider-Man and why Red Skull may be missing out on something? Because Amazing Spider-Man is currently being written still to this day uh, by Dan Slott, and it's phenomenal. Dan Slott's just a phenomenal writer all the way around. Everything he does is usually really, really solid. Um, that being said, they just finished up not that long ago with like the clone conspiracy thing where they brought back Ben Riley. They brought back uh, oh, I can't remember off the top of my head now. It's been a few I'm a few issues behind. Kane. But yeah, they Kane. Kane they, back. Yeah, mm-hmm. they brought back all these characters that you love from the 90s. Some of them had new costumes, which they've now reverted back to the original costumes because they heard the fans cry out that this is horrendous Mm -hmm. uh which i'm appreciative of that uh but they brought back all these old characters you got all these new spinoffs you got uh you know spider-man 2099 in it you got 
you know, you had um, Edge of Spider-Verse, which was phenomenal a couple of years back, and now they're getting at, uh, this, I don't know what they're going to call it, uh, symbiote ver- Venomverse or whatever they're Venom-verse. calling it. Yeah, Venomverse. And if it's anything like Spider-Verse was, I am beyond ecstatic. Um, it's it's just really well written by Dan Slott, and it's Peter Parker still running Parker... Or, still running things and still, you know, I don't know how else to explain it. It's really good. It's just Dan Slott writing classic Spider-Man. He still has his wit, but at the same time, he's now a CEO of a major company and he's having to bounce back and forth with Spider-Man as a site. Kind of like Tony Stark used to do with Iron Man, mm-hmm. where Iron Man's mm-hmm. my, my bodyguard. Sort of like that, but more Spider-Man-esque. And it's just really good. He's got Prowler helping him out as, like guess, a double. And it's just... It's awesome. It's it's really so he, good. So jumping back, to still have the same company that uh, Doc Ock set up for him. That's what I was going to ask. Is that a cop out? Parker <laughs> that, Industries. Parker Industries. Uh, I he thought he graduated for a while. Yeah, but he didn't graduate until uh, Doc Ock graduated yeah. for him, basically. Yeah. No, that's still canon. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's still legit. Right, so it's still the same company. But, and, and you got yeah. And like I said, I'm a few issues behind, so I'm sure this has developed a little bit more from the last time that I read it. Um, but Doc Ock is inching his way back into things, and I don't know exactly what'll happen because, like I said, I'm a few issues behind. But at the last point that I was reading, Doc Ock had taken his mind and subjected it into like this helper robot, hmm. and. Uh, was you know getting cozy cozy with his little ex-girlfriend again and he was trying to figure out a way yeah oh cool that's he you was, shouldn't say that he is he is trying to take uh he's trying to get into a real body again um and due to all of the cloning that was going on um last i remember he was working on creating a, a auto octavius clone basically and getting his mind back into an auto octavius clone and uh coming back as doc ock so well i've heard that they were going to do another superior spider-man series i'd be okay with that too maybe he's gonna find a another clone of peter Parker, <laughs> <laughs> and we're just gonna get the oversaturated clone market again, no because so. dan slot's doing all the writing and like i said he's he's doing a really good job so wow. awesome. i i dig it a lot and uh no, it's really good. I don't know about the whole Miles thing. I've never read Miles, but um, the Amazing Spider-Man is really solid. And uh, yeah, so anyways, really good stuff. Awesome. So Nova, since we let uh, Tap explain there, we're gonna let you talk next, and then tell us what your character or series is before we let Tap get the mic again. Uh, what is it in Marvel that you used to read that you feel has gone down the pooper? Um, I don't think I've stuck with a, a title long enough, but having read. Um, War of Kings recently, I do have to say that um, the Nova books really went down after Richard Ryder went, oh, went away. Oh, God, how can I forget about that? Yes, you are so right there. And the um, new was, Nova's been canceled. It was fine at the start. Sam Alexander, for like the first six issues yeah. when Jeff Loeb was writing it, maybe a few after that, it was, yeah. wasn't bad. I was you know, I was on board. Yeah, it was really good. Um, but just over time like the, the the great thing about dan abnett's nova was the more he wrote it the better and better it got he was tied into annihilation conquest mm-hmm. um war of kings just spanning and then sacrificed himself stopping thanos in the cancerverse i mean 
it's phenomenal. It, it was just a great progression for the character. But I, I mean, I, I haven't been able to keep like continuously enjoy the Sam Alexander stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just gone downhill. Yeah, it started off strong and just after that, really. Yeah, just fizzled. Yeah. Fizzled well, and died. Well, uh, Nova, do you have anything that, you know, they could... Is there anything in your head where they could possibly do to maybe turn it around for you if they did it right? Like, they since they canceled the series, they announced a new series. What could they do in it to turn it around for you to make you start reading it and really enjoying it again? Well, the problem is with, with Sam is he's a kid. And obviously, as a kid, he's not going to go all out cosmic. They can't do that with him because he, you know, he's got his parents, his mom, his sister. He's too young to make that moral, that decision to say, I'm going to go out and just spend all my time in space all the time uh, mm-hmm. like like Rich did. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not saying get rid of Sam. I, I don't mind him at all, but they just have to, I don't know. They, it's same with same thing with the Guardians of the Galaxy. I feel like when I was reading the Bendis stuff, they were on Earth a lot more than I sort of felt they should have been. Um, to just get the cosmic characters into space again. I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's hard because the examples I brought up, like Annihilation and War of Kings, were just such massive, mm-hmm. massive storylines that tied so much together. Um, it, it would take a it would be a group effort to make a book like Nova as good as it used to be. To me, to to make it enjoyable again, just bring back Rich Ryder. Rich Ryder is back, I mean, but they're canceling the book. Yeah. No, I mean yeah. bring him back, like not how <laughs> they did. No, not I'm, he's back. What I'm saying is bring him back like it was book. back then. Uh, well, Red can't. He doesn't want to progress with the times. Well, so tell like, them like, not to cancel <laughs> the book. Then they released five issues yeah. or whatever it was, and then they canned it. Yeah, it. It just wasn't the same. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's rough. Well, I guess that is going to leave us with Tap. What is a Marvel character Deadpool. or series? Deadpool. That's a good answer. That's a very, 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 very good answer, my man. So why Deadpool? He's way too oversaturated and has become almost a parody of himself. Like He was already kind of a parody, but he's now become a parody of a parody. Like He's just sort of in every title and everything and Deadpool kills this and Deadpool does that and Deadpool here. And and it's only because people are sucking it up and they're like, Oh my God, Deadpool. I love Deadpool. Ah." Like I remember liking Deadpool before Deadpool was cool. You know what I mean? Like hipster tap comic man. No, it's not just that. Like I I love, I love it. Like when a character gets picks up speed and, and people start loving a character. I think that's great. And I don't care that a character becomes more popular. I think that's awesome. But what I don't like is when they're, they're in every single book going forward and they are just, it it loses sight of what the character once was, you know, when they have 80,000 different Deadpool books and it's just, it's ridiculous. They need to just go back to, you know, just the one series, the one you know, if there's an event, so be it. But other than that, just have one Deadpool book. You don't need all these other ones. And I know uh, Deadpool and Spidey, Joe Kelly came back on for that one. And, you know, that's cool because uh, you have an, an original Deadpool writer doing that one. And it's kind of a unique relationship between those two. So that's kind of fun to watch. But aside from that, just have like a single thing. You don't need Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe again. Like you, you don't need that. There's no point to it. And I think Colin Bunn might be writing it. Um, and I love Colin Bunn and it might still be a good book, but it's just so oversaturated. There's just too much. It's like they're force feeding Deadpool down people's throats. 
Does that make sense? No, no that makes it, it a does. lot of I mean, sense. We all agree. I, I feel you there. It's like with Hydra. Remember, saying, just like you said, I was healing Hydra before Hydra was cool. People, I mean, people ask, I would talk about Hydra, they'd be like, what, you're talking about the, the mythological you know, creature? I'm like, no, no, let me explain what Hydra is. Now it's oversaturated. It's in everything. It's taken away some love. So I, I really hear what you're saying. They, they find something popular and they just push it to death. Well, yeah. I feel like Deadpool is on another level beyond any other character mm-hmm. in Marvel to where, like, I think it was like two, three months ago, there was like four or five Deadpool titles all coming out at the <laughs> same time. Yeah. And it, it was like a reminiscence of um, Batman almost back in the day mm-hmm. where there was like multiple, multiple Batman titles all at once. Or even, um, you know, X-Men back in the 90s where there was like... Oh, they're doing that again. Yeah, <laughs> They're starting to do it again. That's <laughs> very How true. How many X-Men titles are there um, now? <laughs> uh, probably five. Five or six. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And probably but, at, but, at least, but at least those are different team-ups. It's not all the same team. Right. Whereas with Deadpool, it's Deadpool. Deadpool in all five books. You get some variety in characters, at least with the X-Men, where you're just focusing on one guy doing the same jokes in almost every single book. Yeah. Now I haven't read Gwenpool. A lot of people swear by it, and I I promised some people that eventually I would read it. But like that's almost like a that's a parody of Deadpool. You know what I mean? Like it's a Gwen Stacy and a Deadpool parody. Like it's just I don't know. It's just too much. Just bring it back. You know. I mean, I feel like they did the same thing in the '90s with Wolverine. You know, everybody loved Wolverine, so they're like, hey, everybody loves Wolverine. Let's pump out a ton of Wolverine crap, and it's just. Mm-hmm. And then people got tired of that character, and then they're like, "Okay, well, what's the next big character? Let's, you know, force feed that down people's throats." Like mm-hmm. it's, it's frustrating. They hopped from a Wolverine in the '90s to a Cable in the '90s, and I feel like Cable got force fed to everybody for a long while. Now this is bringing me yeah. flashbacks of a pulling ads we did, Rust. Do you remember the an advertisement where Marvel put out a survey? What do you want to see more titles of? X Men, Wolverine, or Deadpool? <laughs> It seems like they just yeah. ran with all See? three. <laughs> this was like a 97, yeah, I think. I, actually, I, think it was, I think it was yeah. 97. One of the questions on seriously was, um, if uh, would you like to see more than two Wolverine titles a month? Yeah. No. Yeah. I Here, was sitting there. I was like, stop it. Here's, <laughs> here's my thing is that you have Marvel has a ginormous catalog of fantastic characters. Okay. Um, Blade, for instance. I would love to see a Blade title. Take out... You don't need five Deadpool titles. Create one Deadpool title and one Deadpool team-up title. And then have and then bring in other stuff like Blade. Um, Johnny Blazer, Danny Ketch Ghost Rider. Not, you know, the original Ghost Rider. You could bring in those guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, Greg Smallwood is trying to pitch uh, The Midnight Suns. How amazing would that book have been if they just would have... I mean, I, I think they're still pushing for it. Um, him and Colin Bunn actually are pushing for it. But it, if it doesn't happen, just think about how amazing that would be. Colin Bunn and Greg Smallwood doing Midnight Suns. Yeah, I know what you mean, dude. You know, we have a lot of these yeah. uh, Marvel guys trying to pitch him. Like uh, Mike Allred told us that he's been trying to get them to let him do uh, Adam Warlock, who hasn't been exactly. done since like the 90s. Like yeah. He has not had his own book since the 90s. Exactly. There's a lot of characters that they could easily bring out, mm-hmm. and their sandbox is massive, but they're sticking with like 50 characters. Yeah. But yet they're putting out 125 titles with 50 characters. It's insane. Wow. You know, I'd just be happy to have my Sergeant Fury back. <laughs> 
Well, you kind of got a Nick Fury right now. And yeah. I heard it's pretty good. Wrong Nick Fury. It's got yeah. a nice heart. Oh, well. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to stand behind Marvel now. Yeah, it can be. Well, I want to ask y'all this then, since y'all told me y'all's. What do y'all think mine is? I want to hear y'all individually, too. Dude, so. I love hearing you talk, Rusty. Y'all. Oh, yeah. Y'all's. Oh, my God. Hey, man. My southern draw. It's, it's great. I'm all for it. Do you take the weed Don't out? Stop. you take the weed out of your mouth when you say that? I'm like, yes, sir. Fixing his hat. Uh, let me give you a little tip on my hat. He Tell puts the weed in his mouth when he says that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, okay, seriously, in all seriousness, what do you guys think is my choice? Venom. All right, tap votes Venom. What else, What about you, Nova? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Silver Surfer's had it pretty good. Mm. Um, yeah, Adam Warlock's not around. Yeah, Venom or yeah, probably Venom. That's probably the best choice. What do you think, uh, uh, Red Skull? Uh, my, that was my first guess, and that's what I'm sticking with as well. Venom. It is the truth, guys. They need to <laughs> fix him so bad. I don't know what the hell they are doing with Venom. Unless they really keep him with Eddie Brock, but they don't nerf Eddie Brock, and that doesn't have much faith in me either. I'm worried more so now that Eddie Brock is going to get it, and they're just going to make him seem like a pansy, and then they're going to pass it off to someone else within like four issues. And then uh, it's going to be irrelevant in the uh, 100-plus Marvel issues that they release uh, every month. So. Well, when is Venomverse dropping? Uh, sometime in mid-June, I think, or okay. at the end of June. So I'm, I am. I'm excited for Venomverse. I think if they, if it's because slot is slot, they having anything to do with this? Um, I don't believe so. Probably not. Hmm. I forgot who uh, the artist and the uh, writer is gonna be on it. But um, I mean, the only guarantee that we have with Venomverse is that there is for sure gonna be an Eddie Brock in some version or some fashion, even if he's given up the symbiote by then. Um. But yeah, so I mean, I have high hopes for Venom now for 150. But then again, it's also like, is this just for the anniversary issue? And then stupidly, Price is going to get the symbiote back and it's just going to be a whisper in the wind kind of thing. Who did you just say? Lee Price. Who's that? He is the, if you've read any of the new Venom series, he is the guy who got the Venom symbiote after um uh, flash thompson i was gonna say last i knew flash had it and then you said that it became a walking talking thing of its own yep and when it became a walking talking thing of its own it somehow wandered on to lee price um is who this is a new ex- character is this a brand new character um yeah. he's ex-army ranger who is a uh uh a bad guy he's a, a thief um and the role behind it is that venom finally turned into a good guy and now he's on a bad guy and he doesn't want to do bad things because he's a good guy now yeah so (sighs) yep but um as of the last issue it seems like that all went down the drain with him wanting to do good things you know i told y'all he kind of found a new hatred for spider-man peter parker all over again so that's nice and he's on eddie brock but like you know I said, what i want to see have venom take over or not have the symbiote uh take over morbius 
That would be an mm, interesting be. Uh, mashup. They've uh, well, fought each other before in the mace. Well, so. they're well, they're both like life suckers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they have to like suck life to live or whatever. Right. So I think that would just be the ultimate thing where you could have like a venom vampire, mm-hmm. venom the living vampire. Oh god, that would be awesome. <laughs> that would make sense. He could eat their brains and suck their blood. Right. So like. Oh my god, I hope they do that in Venomverse, because that would be the perfect time to do it. Even if it's just like a one-shot thing, Venomverse mm-hmm. would be the perfect time to do it. For sure. Well, I guess since we're already on the topic, we are going to get into our fan topic of the week. We're at the 30-minute mark now, so let's let's explore it a little bit. So, our fan votes every week, you can go on LineApp if you're friends with us on LineApp, or if you want to message us on Twitter or a Facebook, leave a comment, however you want to do it, get a hold of us. Tell us what you want to hear. We will do a segment every week now where we will talk about a fan topic, but you must be in the majority. It has to be voted for. Um, you know, if you submit it, hopefully one point or another, we will get to it. Um, if you're persistent, you might get it uh, sooner than uh, later. Let's put it that way. But the fan topic that was voted on the most this week was symbiotes, guys. So, Woo! yeah, and in a quick second, just to shout it out was uh, why hasn't Rusty read Invincible? And um, I am reading it, guys. Stop it. I am. It's taken me sl- a long time. I'm slow. These guys sit here and laugh at me saying it's going to take like five years, which I'm not going to. I'm not going to. It's bust. been two. <laughs> I'm trying. Well, we could put a full I'm podcast trying. together, of just compilation sound clips from us and guests talking about Rusty read Invincible. <laughs> Yeah, right. But anyways, symbiotes. Symbiotes, guys. So I'm just going to explain a few things to y'all. Just give kind of a short background of the family tree of the symbiotes. And then uh, we'll go from there and see what happens. So we all know that in Secret Wars 8, we had the origin story of the, we didn't know it at the time, but was the black suit for Spider-Man. Now, this was not the first appearance of the black suit. It actually was in Amazing Spider-Man 252, which came out a few months prior, and they advertised it as a new suit, kind of a new attitude thing. But when Secret Wars was going on at the time, they kind of pulled a modern Marvel thing where they kind of jumped the gun a little bit because Secret Wars was coming out at the time, and I think it was on issue two or three when... No, maybe two or three, four maybe where they um, dropped 252, okay? And we had the black suit. We had no idea why the black suit or anything. It was, I mean, they, they sort of talked about it, but there was no real background to it. A um, few months later, Secret Wars 8 comes out. We see Spider-Man randomly go to the uh, machine that Thor, the alien machine that Thor got to fix his costume. And then Spider-Man's like, oh, I'm going to go fix my costume. And then out popped this black glob that engulfed him and made the black suit. Um, you know, after a few issues, after 252, we found out that the suit was alive. Um, it had a mind of its own, and it was a symbiote. Now, from 252, it wasn't until almost 40 issues, 40-something issues later, that uh, Spider-Man realized it was bad, and he didn't need it anymore. And, I mean, if you think about it, 40 issues later, that's a long time in comic books. You know what I mean? 
So he was running with that black suit in the 80s for like what? How long would you say for the issues is? Two to three years. Because I know Spider-Man used to be a bi-monthly comic, but I don't remember when that started. Right. And um, he gave up the suit and um, and Web of Spider-Man won. And it's that famous bell tower scene that you see in the movies that we all know with the stupid Topher Grace Venom that no one likes. I hope we can all agree on that. And I hope none of y'all like Topher Grace's Venom. <laughs> all right. No. You'll always be Eric Foreman to me. Eric, exactly. <laughs> Just like uh, Red Foreman will always be the guy Robocop. in um, Robocop. <laughs> but um, yeah, so he gave up that. And it wasn't until web of spider-man 18 i think that we finally got the first appearance of eddie brock uh coming on the scene as reporter extraordinaire but didn't really know what he was going to do and then we got the mcfarlane run in amazing spider-man with 297 98 i think 98 i think and then that infamous comic that i really really wish i had red had it at one point and gave it up but amazing spider-man 300 you remember that issue, uh, Red yeah, Skull? Yeah, of course. Yeah. You, oof, I wish I had that comic, man. I'm sure you wish you held on to it now, too. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Amazing Spider-Man 300, we got our man, Eddie Brock, as Venom. And from there went a uh, popularity that, I mean, I, I would say, and I, I'm wondering if y'all agree, is one of the most popular, you know, Spider-Man villains to come out of, I guess, modern-ish day comics. Would y'all agree? Yeah. 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 I mean, I know me and Nova weren't really around at the time or anything, <laughs> uh, but... Uh, uh, I want to ask uh, at this point, Red uh, and Tap, because I know y'all, I mean, Red especially, because he was older than you, Tap, but uh, what was y'all's opinion of uh, Venom in the 90s? Or did y'all have any kind of opinion? Did you know who he was? Uh, what was your background with him? Oh, yeah, I knew Venom was. Um, I loved Venom. Uh, Eddie Brock will always be my Venom. Uh, I I thought he was like a super cool character, a really rad take on Spider-Man. To me, honestly, when I was a kid in the '90s, Venom to me was equal to um the Joker as as for villains. So from Marvel, Venom was always kind of my favorite, and then DC Joker was always my favorite, and those they were kind of tied for top two for my all-time favorite villains as a kid. That's cool. So, Red, what did you think? You were a little bit older, so you can give us probably more of an insight of when he debuted and everything else. I know you're an old school Spider-Man. Yes, I am. In fact, I did remember getting issue 300 on my pull box back in the day. And remember reading all that stuff. And I'll be honest, I was I enjoyed it. I wasn't like, oh, my God, well, this is the best thing I've ever read. But it was just, to me, another story I enjoyed reading. So, did you ever think that he would get to the popularity level no. he did at the nope. time? Nope, nope, nope. nope. What do you think contributed to it? Uh, this, you I think look, it was Todd yeah, McFarlane, yeah, I or McFarlane. I think that's what did it. I really, I really do. I think uh, nobody else really could have put it together as well as he did. Uh, it was just good art, good storytelling put mixed together, and I think it was just 
I get the right time when people were ready for some kind of new villain and a villain within Spider-Man itself. So I think uh, everything matched together was just the perfect uh, ingredients and everything for it to blow the way it did. Were the McFarlane stories actually good? I've never read them. No, they were. No, they're actually they pretty were. good. Yeah. I, mean, I think okay. there's what uh, a year's worth. If I remember correctly, it was like twelve. Um, I th- oh, I know. Um, I think actually he because like you said, it was a bi-monthly mm-hmm. book. I think he went from two ninety-seven, two ninety-eight until like three twenty yeah. something. Yeah, I want to say it was a year. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would probably a year. Uh, and then after that is when he, uh, I guess, dropped mm-hmm. off and did the image yeah. thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, brought us Spawn and everything else that we, that made most of us love Image. But, um, eh, eh yeah. Agree we'll, to we'll, get that on, we'll get to that on another podcast. Yeah. We're talking about Marvel. <laughs> yeah. So, um, um, okay. So one of the craziest things to think about with this, okay, is... In the events that took place and everything, um, we had 60 issues later, so technically after 361 issues later. Five years. Uh, yeah, we got Carnage, okay? And it's weird to think about, you know, like the time gap between the two before they thought to, you know, kind of capitalize on the idea of maybe this symbiote can split into different things. Um, Within that time period, though, um, in uh, February 1st of 1993, we got Venom's first solo limited thing called Lethal Protector, okay? And in that comic, we started seeing the family tree kind of expand with the symbiotes, okay? Um, we got the Life Foundation, which was the the bad guys, basically, in this, created five spawns of Venom called Scream, Agony, Phage, Riot, and Lasher, okay? So, um, this was 93, I think, hold on for a second, let me see, uh, Carnage first, let's see what the first, uh, what year the first appearance of Carnage came out, um, was... Okay, Cletus Cassidy in 344, March 1991. And then um, Amazing Spider-Man 360 was his cameo. And that was in April of 1992. So we got Venom, we got Carnage, and then whenever we got Lethal Protector, we got the five symbiotes, Scream, Agony, Phage, Riot, Lasher. Okay, these five ended up turning into another symbiote or four of the five sorry four of the five of these guys turned into another symbiote and along came spider-man came called hybrid okay um then later on we got scorn who was debuted as a carnage offspring in a carnage mini and um then we got anti-venom which was eddie brock his blood cells he was touched by mr negative and turned into anti-venom and then after the uh carnage usa mini we got hybrid split up and only turned into agony phage um what is it uh riot and lasher so kind of like we were talking before marvel found something great and they oversaturated it 
they oversaturated <laughs> a little bit. Now, I mean, we ended up getting all these different teams. One of the things is Scream, I guess, died or whatever, but it's only, or I don't know exactly what happened, but it was one of the original five after Carnage that we still don't know much about. I mean, now there's Mania, and there's Ravenger, and a bunch of other people, but they're all very small things. Um, so I want to open this up to y'all now. Um, Within the symbiote family tree, after all the people I just named, what are the ones that you seem to be, or that popped up in your head right off the bat that was like, oh, I'm curious about this, or, you know, you don't know anything about, I, I don't know if you know anything about any of them. I've got one question in general, I guess you could say. Out of all of them, is there anybody in them, I guess, in the Marvel Universe that it refuses to uh, bond, bond with? to? Yeah, bond to. Thank you. That's what I'm looking for. Um... There's been many instances where it bonded with someone and it quickly jumped off them for different reasons. Whenever uh, the symbiote bonds with the person, it connects with them on a mental level. They can hear each other in each other's head. They, they kind of have like a telepathy kind of thing because it is a parasite. Um, there was an instance, I think, with Hulk of all people where it jumped on and basically jumped off right away. Um, it didn't really explain it and it's done the same thing with uh, Wolverine and other people but um, I don't know if it's something to do with knowing too much about their past or what but occasionally the symbiote will jump on and jump off just it doesn't really explain why but a lot of people Marvel sometimes plays hot potato hot potato with the symbiote anyway okay yeah what about you Nova you have anything uh, you listed off a bunch of names that I don't know anything about, so I guess if you want to pick one at random. and Okay, so one of the biggest fan favorites is a symbiote named Hybrid, which is weird because he didn't debut until the late 90s when, you know, comics were in the decline for Marvel at the time. Um, Hybrid was a mix of four of the fine uh, Venom molded symbiotes from the life foundation they basically took a piece of them and then separated it and made these other venom the symbiotes whatever because we all know venom is basically daddy to everybody or granddaddy or whatever so um hybrid was made of agony phage riot and lasher and uh, none of these symbiotes really had a big, deep background. But this uh, side symbiote was basically the hybrid was the first good guy symbiote. And that's why he was so popular at the time. Um, he also was diverse. It wasn't a, a white dude. It was African-American guy. So there's a little bit of diversity in it. And he popped up as a a side mini character in the back of along came a spider which was weird at the time now he didn't last that long but a lot of symbiote fans view hybrid as someone that should have lasted longer and one of the goofy things about it is if you like look at a picture of the symbiote he's got these weird like wing things and he's kind of got like these like antennas almost and he, he looks like a bug almost which is really weird and um yeah he's red so he was like carnage but he was a mix of a pink symbiote an orange symbiote a gray symbiote and a green symbiote because they like to distinguish them by colors in the 90s weird right great 
Yeah. yeah um, I guess one quick follow-up question I have for you is, uh, I guess, what your thoughts are on... Did you read the uh, Bendis Guardians of the Galaxy arc where they go to the uh, home planet? Um, you know what's funny is I started to read it. Um, I fell out of it after issue two. I I, I didn't like it. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, but uh, it is... Who are you apologizing to? Um, no, I know. Whoever out Screw there it. in the fan it's universe, Bendis. that's like, yay. But it, I mean, it, it rewrote a lot of things and it made the symbiote seem kind of like a pansy. And it didn't make it unique anymore. I, you know, all this time I thought it was just this one parasite that was out there in the universe, you know, and it was basically the only thing left. I mean, they did a planet venom kind of thing, but it was like alternate universe almost. And so now we got this whole planet of symbiotes and you knew they were out there. But I mean, I, for the longest time, I thought it was like, okay, we haven't heard of another one. There's never been another one that just fell to earth. Um, you know, this is the unique, this is the beginning. Uh, is this, un- you know, this is the one and only, but it kind of made it seem like, oh, there's like a whole group of people out there now called champions that have mm-hmm. symbiotes. And this is kind of lame, <laughs> you know? But, um, all right. So, Tap, do you have any questions about any of the things? I I know you're sitting there, and I know I've talked about a lot, but is there anything off the top of your head that stood out? No, my question was kind of what Nova said, is I haven't heard of a lot of those people, so I was just... But you... My question is basically the same as Nova's. Ah, well, I mean, like I said, the family tree... For the symbiotes are very, very, very diverse. Um, I, and there's weird things that I still don't even know. I mean, it's gone through, what, 27 years plus now of symbiotes? I liked Anti-Venom. I thought he yeah. was neat. What do you like about Anti-Venom? What can you tell I me like about I never whole, really like, got into him. I like the whole like religious preacher kind of aspect to it. Okay. I thought it was funny. You thought it was funny. It's like Thor is right there, but everyone's going to preach to this anti-venom guy who's sort of healing people. Yeah. All right. Humans are dumb. It was funny. I just thought it was funny from that point of view. Well, did you ever read the anti-venom miniseries? No. Um, It was Eddie Brock's anti-venom teaming up once again with the Punisher, which he did Hmm. in uh, Funeral Pyre, which if you haven't read, it's really, really good. And um, he teams up with the Punisher again. And that seems to be like a reoccurring theme with Eddie Brock is that him and Frank Castle kind of have like this unspoken kind of bond thing. Because if you think about it, um, Eddie Brock as Venom, even though he's an anti-hero like uh, Frank Castle, they both have this kind of idea is that they're going to serve justice, but they're going to do it at any cost. They're going to kill the person if they have to. They're, they're going to, you know, they're looking for revenge kind of thing to uh, right the wrongs and everything else. Right um, and, and it's kind of weird with that sense. Now, um, I got to go on to this now. Um, I know we're going to get toward the end of the end of this soon because we're starting to run out of time on the pod. But before we end the roundtable, uh, what is each one of yours, I guess, favorite or fondest memory with Symbiote? We'll start with Nova. Can we not start with me? Um, I guess my favorite, my fondest memory of uh, the Symbiote was in um, 
I don't remember. I don't remember if it was like the Spider-Man 2 game. I think it was Spider-Man 2. This is way back on like PlayStation 1 where you can just expo- explore the city. But I'm sorry. I'm sure you were thinking comic books. But Either way. I can't. I'm going to be lying if I say something. Um, the Spider-Man games really were were like my biggest exposure to Venom because I didn't really read many comics as a kid. But just seeing that big like hulking figure. And he was always so hard to beat in these games too. My God. Um, but yeah, the video games is was my is my fondest memory of Venom in in all his sharp edged, uh, pixelated PlayStation graphic glory. <laughs> That's cool. I remember, um, like my buddy and me were trying to beat the whole game just to get the black suit Spider Man costume on there. That was like the whole reason that we were on it because me and him were both like you know symbiote nuts at the time. Um, and that was the only one that we really respect. I mean, we like Carnage, but we were always all about Black Suit. It's the coolest one. Now, um, Red Skull, we haven't heard from you in a while. What is your fondest memory or favorite moment with Symbiote? When he was in the 90s uh, Spider-Man TV show. <laughs> oh, the, yes. uh, the animated yes, series? I, actually, I enjoyed that. Yes. I really did. To me, that was... I loved it. Yeah. I actually enjoyed it more than I did in the comics, to be truthful it was just it was cool now do you think that the uh tv show maybe could have sparked the popularity behind him of, you know, yes of course 100 of course. bucks uh, hands down it did. <laughs> 100 bucks 100 i bucks. bet it <laughs> <laughs> that's it he's not too confident uh, but uh, yeah i would um i'd probably agree i mean that was like my first exposure to uh venom or carnage or anyone was through that show and I, I, you know, I figured more so with the uh, the younger crowd, me, the 20-something-year-old crowd. I say younger crowd, but the 20-something-year-old crowd that was into it probably got into it through the cartoon itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, Tap, what is your fondest favorite moment with Maximum Symbiote? Carnage. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Dude, that is a good good series if anyone out there has not read it 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 is amazing it's like what 12 issues over the but it's like different books obviously but you can buy them all but it's uh 12 issues and all i think um but no it's really good you know you got carnage and shriek basically just roaming the u.s going on a killing spree basically um and then you got spider-man and venom who end up teaming up to take out carnage like it's it's just awesome very very cool so last question for y'all before we end this who is y'all's favorite symbiote Mm, mine's a toss-up between eddie brock venom and then carnage okay i have a toss-up between those two what about you nova i'll go with anti-venom the more i think about it the funnier i think he was and uh i i I did enjoy it he looked kind of cool that uh polar opposite sort of deal you know the question at the time that i had whenever he came out was if um cable is hurting so much from the techno organic virus why doesn't he just let anti-venom touch him yeah he could have they could have i think they didn't explore that character enough no they could have done a lot with him wow so red skull who is your favorite symbiote Uh, venom by flash thompson flash thompson venom Mm-hmm. That's surprising. I did not expect that. No. I always that's, liked Flash that's... in the early uh, uh, Spider-Man series, and I thought it was just kind of cool that he finally got some love. 
right? <laughs> Spider-Man's number one fan becomes yes. Spider-Man's technically number mm -hmm. one or number two Venom or uh, villain. villain. Yeah, I thought it was a cool twist. Yeah. I, I've always really enjoyed that. I liked that. him as Agent. I liked him as Agent Venom mm -hmm. as well. I thought that was a nice twist. Yeah, oh, I think that Colin Bunn and uh, Remeter did a great job with that. So, yeah. Oh uh, well, I mean, I think it's obvious to everyone. My favorite symbiote's Eddie Brock Venom, no. the original. No, yeah. really? I never guessed. <laughs> I would have I'm never for guessed. Sure you right? would have said toxin. Oh, now broxin. That's the the online uh, term for him. Broxin. I mean, how how close is Carnage as a second? Uh, Carnage is actually okay. I can give you my top five. Oh my God, he's not even second. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, um, Eddie Brock Venom, person. Cletus Cassidy, number two, uh, Carnage. Okay. Um, number three is, um, I don't know if I can do it as a whole, but the uh, original five uh, life uh, corp group or whatever. They were their own group or whatever. Um, number four is Broxen or uh, Eddie Brock Toxin. And then uh, number five is Flash Thompson as uh, Agent Venom. So... Yeah, I know there's not many, many after that, but that's my uh, personal top five. Anti-Venom didn't cut it, and Hybrid didn't cut it, and uh, Mania or any of them. So, sorry guys. But um, Eddie Brock will always be numero uno. Forget that Matt Gargan guy. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. True story. And you know what's funny is you often hear uh, people be like, I liked Gargan. And it's just like, no. oh my gosh, did you start reading uh, comics in 2000? Oh, yeah. Ignore the 90s. Gargan is horrible. And I, I, it's weird to hear it, man. I mean, a lot of people I know, I don't know if they're just picking on me or not, but dang. It's like <laughs> clear as day, Eddie Brock, numero uno. Well, and he looks goofy. He does look goofy super goofy that is going to conclude this podcast um, we're going to jump into an interview now so stay tuned Welcome, everyone, to Four Guys in a Comic, and we have another exciting interview for you. Today, we have Peter Semetti. Peter, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, it's yes. so great for you to join us. Thank you. So, for those that aren't familiar, you know, Peter is with uh, Alterna Comics, and as we know, Alterna has a lot of stuff going on these days. Uh, yeah, yeah, we got a lot going on. You got a lot on your plate, don't you? <laughs> oh, yeah, Definitely. Not much rest. <laughs> I can imagine. I, I don't even know where to begin. Um, how, how about we start with talking about the chair a little bit? What do you What do you say? Yeah, sure. That that's fine. I know we've had uh, Kyle uh, Hester on the show, and he's talked a little bit about it. And for those that maybe have missed some of that, you know, we got this great uh, show, a movie coming out with quite a, a lineup of uh, actors and actresses on it. Yeah, it was it was something getting them all together. Uh, I reached out on social media after not having much luck through uh, traditionally getting a hold of agents and things like that. And um, and I was lucky enough to to reach out to some awesome people for the cast, uh, including a childhood hero of mine, uh, Roddy Piper. 
Um, he was great and, um, and he did fantastic in the film. Um, it's, it's probably one of his best, if not his best performance as far as acting goes. And, um, I hope everybody gets a chance to see it if they can. Now, uh, you guys, guys have, uh, have it dropping at one of the local cons soon, do you not? Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be at Phoenix Comic Con next week, um, which would be, uh, I think that's what, the weekend of the 27th and the 28th. I think it's a three-day show. I'm not entirely sure. But um, it's going to be there next weekend, and it's also going to be in uh, Manchester at the in the U.K. Um, that same weekend as well at the 666 Horror Fest. Oh, wow. So is this going to be like the first showing of it? Uh, we had our first showing um, last October. We did a small theatrical run. It was in L.A., New York, and a couple other theaters. And um, then we had a couple other festivals. Uh, we, we've had the film show in, in like Berlin and Germany and, and a couple of different places, Wisconsin and another place in California. So it's been, it's been making the rounds here and there. Uh, this year it's going to be doing a little more, and we've got uh, more conventions and, and festivals lined up for the rest of the year as well. Mm, cool. Uh, what, what, what will some of those be? Um, I know one of them is going to be uh, the Rhode Island Comic Con. Um, another one's going to be, uh, it was supposed to be at the Whedon Con, but then they decided to only uh, show stuff that was re- related to like Josh Whedon stuff. So they didn't really uh, go for, for that anymore. They kind of cut through, uh, I think it was about six films that were going to get shown. So that was kind of disappointing because I think the fans would have liked that. And um, there's a whole bunch of, of listings on the chairhorror.com. I think it's like five or six more that we've got to go through. And then um, it's making the rounds with submissions. And, and I think it's something like 20 others that we got to hear from. Oh, very cool. One of the uh, great things that we were just talking about um, earlier today is the is the newsprint. I know Red's a big fan of newsprint having uh, grown up when, when they were still printing on newsprint. Mm -hmm. So um, that's been a big, that's been a big movement coming out of Alterna. Um, What was, I guess the inspiration for that? I'm sure you have the same nostalgia appeal that Red has. Yeah. yeah, uh, I mean, I always wanted to put comics out on newsprint since I started Alterna like 11 years ago. And um, it, it was tough to get a hold of a printer that could do, a newsprint job for anything less than like 25,000 copies. Oh. And I mean, if anyone knows anything about comics nowadays, 25,000 copies is even hard sometimes for DC and Marvel to hit. Yeah. Um, as, as, as unfortunate and as small as that sounds, I mean, you know, any other business you figure 25,000 copies or something, that's not that much, but unfortunately for comics it is. And um, especially for indie comics, you're usually lucky if you can crack the thousand mark, let alone, you know, 25 times that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, newsprint was just kind of it was it was out of out of reach for us and uh, because of that we shifted gears to just putting out graphic novels and that's kind of what we did for the first 10 years is i think we only published maybe a handful of single issues here and there um over 10 years and we mostly just did graphic novels mm-hmm. so uh i think technology or something changed along the way to allow it to be more uh economical to print on newsprint so they could do smaller runs and um, for whatever reason, um, we had our 10th anniversary last year, and this year I kind of I got up my butt again to do the whole newsprint search, and uh, I actually managed to find some newsprint printers that could give me some pretty competitive quotes at 3000 4000 5000 mm-hmm. And um, we went from there, and, and the cost is like, it's like a third of, of, of standard comic printing. 
So that's why the, we can afford to put the, the price down so low. I mean, yeah, or was it a dollar fifteen issue? That is a nice price to pick up a comic at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, especially for indie because, you know, we're not dealing with known properties and known characters. And at Alternative, we don't really license uh, properties. So all of this stuff is mostly unknown creators uh, making quality stories, but it's still it's still a risk. So I get that, and, and we all get that here. Um, you know, if if you're going to put f- four to five bucks down for a comic you're like well do i give a new one to try or do i use one that maybe you know I'll, i always know and 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 like and and, and do i take a creator that i'm familiar with and and all that so people kind of gravitate more towards that and maybe they don't try an indie book out mm-hmm. um but at 150 it's really hard to argue if the book looks good to you just try it out because it's just a buck 50 and you know you could do a lot worse Oh, yeah. I mean, you can pick up, you know, three of these for the price of one Marvel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of it's kind of nuts, the, the, the price of comics nowadays, especially considering how fast you can read them. Oh, yeah. If you read them. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for people that are interested in picking up uh, these newsprint um, comics, are they available in all local shops? Or are they kind of like more of a special order type kind of deal? Can they get them online? Where can they get these at? Uh, they can get them online at any um, at any online comic shop like a, like a Midtown Comics or a, or a, a T-Faw or something like that. But uh, most local comic shops will have it. And even if they don't, you can always just ask your comic shop uh, staff, owner, whoever's behind the counter, you know, if they'll get some books in for you from Alterna. And it's really not that difficult. I, I mean, usually it's it's kind of they, they like a guaranteed sale. They like customers coming in and talking about the books. Mm-hmm. And that's an important part of it. Um, on the website, on Alterna's website, uh, we've got a directory of stories that carry our stuff. Um, it's not just limited to those stores that carry our stuff. There's a lot more stores that carry, but it's just um, some of them just we haven't heard from them directly or customers haven't told us. Um, so as we're finding out more and more stores every single week we've been adding, I think it's up to something like 300 or 400 stores at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we've got at least a handful in every state. So people can go right to the site and, and see if their local shop carries our stuff. And if, if they do, they can go down and, and hopefully they're in there because I'm getting a lot of reports every single day that the line's selling out. So hopefully they can find it at least somewhere else, or maybe, you know, let the cop, the comic shop, uh, owner know, and they can probably get some in on back order and, and issue twos are coming out soon also. So mm-hmm. they can kind of reorder what they might've missed out on. Yeah. And those would be at uh, alternacomics.com forward slash retailers. So the single issues are obviously newsprint, but will the collected editions also be, or will they be um, on the glossier, shinier paper? Uh, those are going to be on, on, on a more premium stock. It's going to be on a, a matte coated paper. So it's not going to necessarily be the gloss because the gloss stuff right. is so it's difficult to read. It's kind of a pain in the butt sometime. Um, but it's going to be a nice, uh, premium cover and, and all nice and, and, and coded and everything like that. Uh, it's just more the single issues to me. Um, that's where they should differentiate. You know, the single issues are what they are. There should be a lower price point. It should be a, an easy gateway for people to get in and try something. And then the, to the trades and the graphic novels, which are, are always meant to last longer on a shelf and, and things like that, um, should be on a better paper. So it, it just kind of even makes more practical sense. Mm-hmm. So now when this dropped out, uh, it was about two weeks ago, 
we had, I'm trying to remember, it was what, 10 or 15 different uh, issues that, that came out for the newspaper print? Oh, no, only four came out on, oh, on May four. 3rd. Oh, it was only yep. four on May 3rd. Oh, okay, I, I misunderstood then. Okay, so, and there's more um, coming, is that what it is? Yeah, in, in June, uh, on June 14th, we've got uh, Trespasser and Mother Russia, number ones. And then the okay. 21st, we've got the chair. The chair's coming out then, and that's actually going to be a dollar. Um, and then uh, on the 28th, we've got Scrimshaw, number one. So all of June's titles, which is four new ones as well, um, if you pick up all four, it's only going to put you back 550 So I, I don't know how anybody could kind of argue with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's okay, cool. So I have read all four. I was thinking, okay, because the the uh, Mother Russia one, I seen the cover to that. I was like, man, I gotta find out where I, I need. I need to order that one. I didn't realize it was not even out yet. Yeah, yep, yep. It'll be out in June, and um, and those have been doing really well. Uh, I think the print runs were about fifty percent higher than the runs for May, mm. and and in May we increased the runs twenty five percent at the last minute. And that's another nice thing about newsprint is that you can increase print runs and the, the things get printed out in like three days. Mm. So I know there's a lot of comic people out there. They got to set their runs like months in advance because mm-hmm. especially if you're printing overseas, if things yeah. get, you know, hold up and, and, and customs and all this other stuff, it could take a while to get the books in. But um, it's nice with this. We've got a, a U.S. based printer. It's like a three day print run. Um, so if we get any last minute surge in, in orders, we can just kind of increase that. And it was, it was crazy the first time to see like a thousand orders increase in a week. Um, but this time with the June ones, it was something like 2000. And, uh, and it was nice to know that we at least had that, that capability to increase the print runs when we needed it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just to get that, clarify that. So the first print run you're doing about an, a thousand in sales per issue and, and it's doubled since then. No, no, no. The first print runs were, were closer to almost 4,000. Oh, Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah. We did a total of uh, on the first four because we're also doing newsstand coming out in, in in the summer, and so we printed simultaneously with newsstand and comic shops. And I think the runs were close to almost like six to seven thousand each. Wow! So nice. yeah, so yeah, it's, it's 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 numbers that are pretty damn high for an indie, especially. I mean, there's Marvel yes. books. I see that they're getting like four thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, and and then you know, it's one thing when they sell through to Diamond. It's another thing when we get so many reports from stores selling out of books, and they're like, "We ordered a lot of these. We didn't really think that they they would have sold so quick." And we ordered like thirty or forty copies of each book, and um, and to hear stuff like that, I mean, in my eleven years of publishing, um, that's not something you hear all the time. So so it's been nice. Mm. So there's there's clearly been a lot of growth over the past uh, eleven years, and I guess it based on the amount of new series that are going to be getting printed and whatnot. Now it seems like that's just continuing to, to grow. It's good to hear. Yeah. It's, it's nice. It's nice to see, uh, especially because we're getting reports that, um, that, that it was kind of a downturn month for April, yeah. um, overall with comics and, and I'm looking at everything and I'm, I'm just grateful we're, we're reaching the people we wanted to reach and we're, we're supporting retailers as well by sending them out, some promotional information and stuff to put up in their stores. And mm-hmm. every single person that signs up on that list um, on the website, they all get a promo pack. So they all get stuff to familiarize themselves with the stuff and to also mm-hmm. tell customers, Hey, we carry these books. So that helps as well. And I think it's nice that they know that we support them. And, and as long as we can continue that, that relationship, um, hopefully it just grows. 
Ah, cool. So what are some of the other future issues that we can be uh, looking into? Because um, there's one that I'm looking for. I just haven't seen it yet. So I'm hoping there'll be one that you mentioned. <laughs> so I was kind of um, curious. What, see, what, so, what can you see? So June, we've got Trespass from Mother Russia, The Chair, and Scrimshaw. But then in August, we've got coming out, um, we've got The Wicked Righteous is coming out. Um, in July, is just going to be a continuation of what May was released, which was Adam Wreck, Croak, Amazing Age, and Lilith Dark. Those are just going to be the second issues of those books coming out in July. Mm-hmm. Um, August is the second issues. Everything's bi-monthly. So everything's the second issue for, for June is going to be out in August, but we're adding one more book, which is The Wicked Righteous. And that's kind of like a Mad Max meets Stranger Things kind of book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a post-apocalyptic sort of adventure action thing. And uh, it's, it's, it's actually pretty nice. So I hope people check it out. And then in September, we've got a couple new books coming out. Um, we've got one graphic novel coloring book coming out called Psycho KO, which is yeah. a, a real nice throwback style book. It's kind of like um, if Deadpool was in the Hanna-Barbera universe. Um, so it's, it's actually pretty nice. It's pretty nice for all ages and, and everyone's going to get a kick out of it. And then um, we've got Mr. Crypt coming out in September uh, as well. So it's, it's a bunch of newsprint books. And then uh, the, the graphic novel coloring book. And then in October, um, I don't think we have a new series being introduced in October, but in November we've got a Doppelganger and a title uh, right now called Moon Girl, uh, which is based off of the uh, public domain character. Hmm. Great. A lot of variety there. Yeah, there is. And I'll tell you one thing I do like about the variety is that when you pick up an issue, you know what kind of issue it's going to be over in the uh, barcode area. It tells you sci-fi adventure, fantasy, or horror. I kind of like that in there. Yeah, and that's something we actually uh, brought over from the book trade because in the book industry, they want you to kind of put a genre on everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's probably why it's, it's a nice thing to know. This is the kind of book it's going to be. And, and if you like yeah. that sort of stuff, this might be good for you, mm-hmm. especially sometimes covers can be misleading. Um, titles can sound mm-hmm. misleading. So it's nice to know what you're in for and, and you don't just get home and you, you think it's an all ages book and it turns out to be a horror book and there's guts everywhere. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's a nice thing for, for parents, a nice thing for uh, everyday readers that go into the shop. And, um, and I think people have been really responding to just, even something like text on the cover. Uh, so many people at, at signings that we've had, um, they're all saying how nice it is to see text on the cover that, that makes you want to read the story. And it's just funny because that's something that's kind of been uh, passe a bit in comics is to not put text on the cover and not make it kind of like, you know, this is a comic book. You know, it's, it's all about the art standing on its own. And I love art. I mean, I'm an artist as well, but comics is text and visual and it's kind of odd when so many covers don't take advantage of that aspect. So uh, I think people were really enjoying seeing stuff like that. And it was, it was nice that they were. Yeah. A lot of every artist wants to make the, uh, the newest uh, iconic cover over at Marvel and and DC. So, and if anything, all the iconic ones that, that are, are really iconic all have text all over the place. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of funny how the industry has turned that way that um, it's kind of embarrassed almost to be a comic book, you know, off the, off the first glance of it. It's, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, so you're obviously busy with, you know, running Alterna, but are you planning on getting back into writing a comic uh, in the near future? Um, I'm looking forward to, to when I'm able to do that. And I wanted to get to try to get some stories done for the next If Anthology, which was going to be Crime. And things have just been so 
unbelievably busy here with everything else that I, I hadn't even been able to write a story on it. Um, especially since we're really focused on, on growing relationships with retailers and, and the distribution for the, the new stuff. So it was really difficult. Um, it's something that, uh, um, I, I look forward to conventions and, and signings just to get to sketch. And, and I just sketch for tips at this point. So I don't even really care about setting prices. I'm just like, you know, pay me a buck, pay me nothing, pay me 10. That's fine. You know, if I can just get to sketch and just do something nice instead of publishing all day long, um, it's, it's like a little mini vacation. So it's, it's nice to just do that. Oh, that's really cool. Um, so speaking of conventions, uh, do you have anything upcoming that you want to promote that you're going to be at that you want to throw out there? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, for anyone that's in the, the New Hampshire area, that's kind of where I'm local to. Um, I'll be signing uh, copies of the chair at Stairway to Heaven in uh, Newington. That's near Portsmouth in New Hampshire. And I'm going to be at all kinds of shops in, in Massachusetts as well. Um, I'm going to be at Friendly Neighborhood Comics, uh, Rubber Chicken Comics, um, just doing all sorts of signings for the chair and promoting that. And I'm going to be at um, Massive Comic Con. Uh, at the end of uh, June, and then I'll be at um, Granite State Comic Con in September, and I'll be at Plastic City Comic Con in July. I'm going to be all over the place, so it's it's going to be a, a pretty packed summer. Very cool. That, that is sound packed. Now I have to throw one thing out there, Peter. One of my favorite alternative books that I've ever read has hands down is Ray Gun. That is one I wanted to see in print since the day I've read issue number one. Hopefully that's something we can see in the near future come out in print because I'm telling you, anybody listening, Ray Gun, you got to read that from Alterna. Ray Gun's a bit unfortunate because last year we dropped the title. We had a breach of contract situation. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Get them back. Get them back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I tried to do everything um, that was possible. I even tried to, to avoid the situation. Um and let them know, look, you know, we can we can kind of try to just reset this back to zero a bit. But you got to let me know what you want to do, because you're going about things as if as if you don't have a publisher that you need to get approval of to do all these sorts of things that you want to do. And um, and he's like, well, then I just want to be released. And I was like, well, that's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. It's a good book. I'm not going to yeah. say it's not. It's a great book. Uh, I really loved it. Uh, I'd love to see it in print. It would have been great on the newsprint lineup. But um, yeah. at this point unfortunately um i think they got a new publisher or something like that uh but i'm not entirely sure of the situation but um it's unfortunate when that happens with with creators and and that's not not the first time that i've gone through it i'm sure it won't be the last uh but you know if you're working with a publisher i mean to any aspiring creator out there just keep them in the loop you know if you want to do stuff if you want to get your stuff out somewhere else if you want to um uh put out merchandise or you want to launch a title or you want to do whatever, just keep people in the loop because you never know what kind of deals you end up might be making. And, uh, it might not be, it might not be the right thing. It might, it might be a conflict of interest situation. It might be something that, um, doesn't work within the contract you have. There's all sorts of things. Um, it, it never hurts to just be, uh, transparent with what's going on and, and keep people around. And especially if it's a good thing, your publisher can help you out. They can help promote what's going on. So, um, unfortunately the, the situation went the way it did and, and the book's no longer with us. Uh, all right. Well, we'll move on from that then. Um, one thing I have to say with the newspaper print that I've really enjoyed is advertisements in it again, something that you don't see too often in comics anymore. And these are advertisements for all sorts of different things. And if I remember 
correctly, you guys have an advertisement campaign or something where you can actually purchase ad space. Am I correct with that? Oh, yeah. Our ad space is extremely affordable. Um, we got we got publishers and and companies on board just wanting to advertise in, in, in the book just because it was newsprint. Um, mm-hmm. People like Ultra Pro, uh, you know, I'm getting talk talks with their, their marketing team and they're like, it's, it's so awesome again to advertise in a newsprint comic. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it, it, so it's kind of crazy to hear that alone. But like, uh, for instance, back covers are like $200 a piece. Um, that's kind of an unheard of rate. Um, a quarter page is 20 to $25 for a quarter page. So you could just get like, you know, if you've got a comic out there and, and we're not opposed to putting out other comics as advertisements in our own stuff. I know a lot of publishers want to keep things in house. Um, so to me, indie is, is, is great and more people should be reading indie comics and, and what's a better way than getting the word out there for 20, 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you've got a, comic i mean that's a great size to just put up the cover and some information and a website link um a full page is a hundred bucks i'm it, it we've got really affordable advertising so um if anyone's interested at all uh go for it we've got most spots sold out and in, into um i think november now at this point we're looking for advertising so we've got a lot of spots sold out um but it doesn't hurt to to schedule it in advance um one one thing i've noticed about you uh I guess your Twitter account is that you're always, um, and the fact that you guys are indie, you're always looking for new people, uh, fresh faces in the industry and just trying to get those people who, um, you know, have always said, Oh, I'm, I'm so close to publishing a comic, but I'm missing this or that. Um, how, what's it like to sort of see, I don't know. Do have you, have you had those moments where you realize it's great that we, you know, you'll have someone tell you or thank you from the bottom of their heart that you let them do this. And it's just tremendous. I mean, what's it like just to, have you see these people evolve in front of you in terms of their writing or art or whatever it may be? Um, it's, it's, it's probably the biggest perk of, of doing this kind of a job. Uh, we've got a couple people that have been on board, um, with Alterna since practically the first year and to see, to see the, the success, especially now, um, like for instance, we've got, uh, Michael Bracco's got his book, Adam Wreck out and he's had, he's had a book with Alterna since practically day one. And it's nice to see people giving recognition and, and really reading their stuff for now. And it's, it's just one of those type of things where you feel like this person deserves the, the success that they're, that they're experiencing, even if it's on a small level and, and, and just to, to see that people really enjoy what they're, what they're creating and putting out um, and to see people kind of evolve in terms of, of not just their, their success, but in terms of, of as creators and, and, and creating things, um, and, and, and their progress just as an artist or a writer. Um, it's really, it's really nice to see that. And, and I'm glad to be a part of that. And I'm always looking to, to help out uh, on books whenever I can. There's like a hundred behind the scene type things that I do, but it's like, you know, to me, it's all worth it as long as people enjoy the book and, and, you know, I'm not looking necessarily for credit, or, or a thank you or whatever, but it's, it's one of those things of, it's nice to know certain things that, that people enjoy. And it's nice to have like a little bit of a, a hand in that and knowing that I, I helped uh, along the way with that. And that, um, that a lot of these creators, um, when they first came to Alterna, it was insane because I didn't plan on, on making a publishing company. So, um, it, it, it was crazy to hear the stories from really talented people that they would be rejected from, you know, image or dark horse or, or whatever other publisher. 
and and people that were just kind of just trying anything at this point to get their stuff out and and there's so many talented people out there and and it takes talent it takes a lot of hard work a lot of promoting and a lot of really just believing in yourself when no one else will um so when all these creators that have come such a long way that and i see that they that they've done that and they've they've stuck it through i mean to survive in, in comics is is hard enough um that's an accomplishment in itself so um, it's been nice to to just be along for the ride and see all that happen. I've noticed in general now a lot of people tend to go towards um, non superhero comics. Just in general, as readers, I do myself anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's time, you know, times have changed. It's not it's not the Silver Age anymore, where it's all about you know the superheroes beating up fantastical foes. Um, so it's great that there's you know companies like like you guys, Alterna, Aftershock. Um, just trying to, you know, boom. There's there's all these companies now that aren't as big as like even Image, which has sort of grown exponentially over the past five years. But it's great that there's, you know, people doing, coming up with their stories for the first time, getting them out there and, you know, succeeding. It's great. It's great to see. And um, it's good that the comic industry is really, really taking off past Marvel and DC now and not just yeah. concerned and focused around them. And it's affecting yeah, them. it's it's nice. It's uh yeah, it, it definitely is. I mean, you can see you can see how much it's affecting them by how much more product they're releasing to squash mm-hmm. out shelf space. Um, I don't know yeah. if they're aware that everyone's aware that that's why they're doing it. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we're, we all know. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, so you know, it'd be great to see uh, Marvel and DC look at what their most successful time period was. And I mean, honestly, they're not going to give a shit what I think, but um, (laughs) so it'd be great if they saw what their most successful time period was and what they did at that time that really made people excited and really got people into comics and kind of mirror what went right. Um, It seems like they, that they've gotten away from stuff like that, you know, um, it, it, it's nice though that that indie comics have kind of come in to to pick up the slack where that sort of stuff is is not really as fulfilling to people anymore and uh, people i'm just glad that comic readers are still sticking around because they easily could have been like you know what i don't really like marvel and dc anymore so i'm not going to go to a comic shop anymore i'm not going to see what else is out there i'm just going to stop and that easily could have happened and i'm glad that that hasn't happened and if anything um the fact that so many publishers and so many creators are around and and the, the industry is basically booming in a different way um the fact that that exists i think is, is a testament to, to how much is out there and and how wide the comic reading audience actually is it's not just this little you know if you like superheroes and i love superheroes but it's like it's not just a superhero thing anymore you know you can tell all kinds of stories with comics and they're they're all valid they're all great and they all have a place and it's nice to see that happen now mm-hmm. I mean, yeah i mean let's let's look take croak for an example no superheroes nothing just a nice little good horror story <laughs> yeah yeah you know and and i can't think of maybe 20 30 years ago uh, i don't think that book exists you know it's 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 something that that's pretty crazy to think that. I mean, even even when Image took off, it was launched with pretty much superheroes. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so it's it's something that nowadays you can 
you can really speak to, to readers that, that are just excited about the comic book format, not necessarily that comic books are now, you know, and they're still very much superhero, but they're not so synonymous with superheroes anymore that, that telling a story outside of that kind of uh, realm is an impossibility to people. And they, they're like, what do you mean comic books are just for superheroes? So that, that, that kind of thing has even stopped from, from when I first started in comics. Um, it would be like, oh, who's the hero? And it, that, that conversation has stopped yeah. about who's the hero, who's the villain, you know, what's, what's their power? And you're like, well, this isn't really a superhero book. This book takes place on death row. <laughs> like, that was a really hard sell when I was putting the chair out at first. Um, yeah. but now it's, it's so, okay. This is a horror book. This is a horror comic. Okay. Yeah. And you, they just go with it. It's nothing that, well, that's kind of odd or, Oh, that the, the occasional, Oh, well, good for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, now people are, are more accepting towards it. And, um, and it's not really the, the next question after, Oh, you make comics. It's not really, you know, Oh, well, what's the, what's the hero? What hero did you make? It's, it's, what's it about? You know, it's it's that kind of a question. It's being treated more like film and um and television shows, and I think um I think if anything, that's what makes it hard to accept uh for a lot of fans as to why aren't comics in more places, because they are kind of just relegated to their little areas of being in a comic shop. You know, they should be everywhere. Um, at, at the very least, the the most successful, most popular titles should be pretty much everywhere. Um, so just to get comics, um, some kind of FaceTime in, in a target, in a Walmart, in, in a Dollar Tree, in a, you know, everywhere, GameStop, all that stuff. Uh, they, they should have a spinner rack everywhere. I, I don't know why there isn't one. I mean, I do know why there isn't one, but, um, it's, it's nothing that, that publishers can really handle, especially because at the top you got exclusive contracts. So they're kind of at the mercy of whatever wants to happen with distribution. They can't actually go out and make their own um, distribution for GameStop. Like Image can't go broker uh, a deal with GameStop and set up a spinner rack in every single GameStop. So uh, Alternative, we're lucky enough to have a non-exclusive distribution agreement, so that's why we're doing the newsstand thing. And they're going to be in Barnes & Nobles and convenience stores and select supermarkets and places like that uh, starting in July. And they're Mm -hmm. all going to be on the two-month delay. So, um, books that came out in May, those first issues will be out in those places in newsstand in July. And it's just going to be like a two month window to give kind of that respect to the comic shop retailers that have helped us along the way. And also I think it works out nice because if people find that they can't get, uh, a comic shop, uh, to get number ones, they can possibly go get the newsstand book that's out and go right to the comic shop and get the second issue. So it, it kind of works in a nice uh, synergy and hopefully, um, hopefully it at least expands a bit um, comic books into where people go and where they are. Cause not everyone's got a comic shop either. That is true. It'd be kind of cool to start seeing uh, comics on spin racks again. <laughs> yeah. You know, it'd be great because if enough publishers do it, you know, if everybody with a non-exclusive agreement wants the information, of who we're going to be using, just contact me. If anything, you know what? I'm, I'm sure it's right up on our website. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm very, I'm very open towards growing comics as an industry. I'm not that kind of guy that wants to just be the only one on top of the mountain, and no one else is allowed. You know, I mean, everybody should get in on it and and grow their business a bit and grow where these books are. Because if we all get that stuff out there together, we all we all benefit from it. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, I want to circle back just a little bit. I know we touched briefly on the uh, graphic uh, coloring book that's going to be coming out. Mm-hmm. And I had one question I really want to know about that because I was looking at the promo picture from this. Is that coloring book going to come with games and activities inside of it? Yeah, yeah. Games okay, and so activities. I did see that it's right. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty awesome. He's putting a lot of fun into it. It's a. It's a. It's a character that that consistently breaks the fourth wall. So we just figured a coloring book made the most sense to just be completely interactive and lots of, lots of fun activities on the back of the the graphic novel. If you really want to just destroy the thing, it's going to be a mask you can cut up. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that is cool. So you can cut out the back cover and 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 you know put the mask on, or, or a kid could have fun with it and wear the mask or whatever um but yeah it's just a completely fun book um it's just about enjoying um a comic story coloring it up doing some activities there's crossword puzzles there's there's mazes there's regular like word finding type of activities there's all kinds of stuff that that rob threw in there um rob feldman's the uh, the creator of psycho ko and he did a, a terrific job on it um and i hope everybody checks it out it's on it's on kickstarter right now um, it's about halfway to its goal, and I think there's something like 20, 20 plus days left on it. So it should definitely be reaching its goal. And, and there's all kinds of awesome rewards on there, and T-shirts, and stickers, and bags, and all the usual Kickstarter kind of stuff. Um, I think he's got one reward in there too to be drawn into the into the um, the newsprint line that we have out to to draw you in as a villain or something. So it's kind of a cool a cool reward. It's gonna. He's going to have a newsprint version of that in 2018. He's going to have like a whole sort of like a, every single issue is a different adventure kind of a thing, a different mystery, a different a different horror thing, a different whatever is going on, every single issue. So it's going to be a, a nice throwback style uh, sort of thing. That does sound exciting. Now, will this be available only by order um, at your LCS, or will we be seeing this in uh, like Barnes and Nobles and things like that? Yeah, this will be in like Barnes and Noble, Amazon, um, comic shops. This will be everywhere books are sold. So, yep, it's just if people want to get uh, a signed copy and some extras and, and some stuff you can only get through the Kickstarter, that would be the best place to get it. If not, um, they can wait and order it through a comic shop and, and a bookstore. All right, cool. And for those listening, I do have the uh, link to the Kickstarter available on our Twitter feed. Well, um, geez, we covered quite a few things. Did I forget anything over there, Nova? I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Anything else out there, Peter, that you might want to promote or talk about? Uh, well, I'd like to thank you guys for giving us some <laughs> some some promotion and attention um, on Twitter. It's it's nice. I appreciate it. We always appreciate people that support us, and, and I'm always happy to support back. So uh, so thank you. Oh, thank you. Yes, uh, we love our indie. <laughs> what can I say? Yeah. And I didn't get a chance to watch the other um, the other two reviews just yet, but. Um, uh, I really appreciate that 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 he's enjoying the books, and um, and it was great to see that 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 it's it's been funny because there's been about five or six of these YouTube reviews where people have have smelled the comics or talked about smelling the comics. So it's been makes me laugh every single time because it's it's a part of comics that that's gone <laughs> up until now. So I think I did that in the first thing. review, didn't I? <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, that's something we always joke about. You know, the the smell of the old comics. You know, and I, as I'm pulling it out, there's like it's 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 kind of there. It hasn't fermented long enough. Yeah, yeah. Like, once it once it starts aging, you know, it's it's funny because I'm thinking like I hope people don't think that these things smell old automatically. It doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> when they're new, they smell different. But you can set you can if you got a sharp nose, you can sense it's going to come along. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. You know, I, I picked up like it. It's, it's, it's there. I just need to let it sit for a little longer. It's like a, a fine wine. You just need to let it age. Right? Yeah. You need to, you need to let it uh, eat itself away a little bit longer. <laughs> and then you get those, <laughs> those nice fumes of comics. Exactly. Oh, well, we want to thank you again, Peter, for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. And really, everybody out there, pick up some alternate. Enjoy it. You know, indie. Need I say more? <laughs> yeah, for, for the price of a cup of coffee, you'll get a full uh, a full issue. I mean, I don't remember. I, I've never been able to say that in my lifetime. I mean, unless you're going <laughs> to Starbucks and you can get four issues for the price of coffee. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, we will wrap things up here. Thank you again, Peter. It has been a pleasure. No problem. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. Thanks for taking the time. Right.